Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Here we go again. This is getting ridiculous, you guys. For for you audience members, you have no idea the hoops we have jumped through to make this recording happen today. It's been almost two hours. <laughs> Let's just say Jamie and I are not the most technologically lucky people in the world. For whatever reason, technology literally hates both of us. So the fact that y'all get a podcast from us at all is kind of a miracle. And our producer lives in Australia and right now it's like four o'clock in the morning. So we can't ask him for help because he's sleeping. Uh, All right. Let's just try our best because basically we've been hitting the three minute mark and it's been turning off our recording every time. So we're going to try to get as much. It's a three minute podcast. Okay, people. (laughs) We're just going to record the whole podcast in three minute snippets and torture our producer to (laughs) devour another. (laughs) It's a three minute podcast. Those exist, by the way. We rock a three minute podcast, CA. We would do great. Well, if we if we make it past the three minute mark, we're going to celebrate. You're going to hear me. Holler. Celebrate, celebrate, <laughs> a celebration of you and me. Sorry, that was my sixth grade musical, guys. So that's that's forever that, in that, your that, brain. That, I will never leave your brain. That was the song. All right, so <laughs> maybe seventh grade. All right, let's keep going. So we <laughs> let's we try this about? again. We are talking about um, not losing our crap when things go wrong. I'm just kidding. So. We are trying to talk about holding yourself hostage in your own recovery. And that deserves a clarifying statement because people can do that in a lot of different ways. But when we're trying to recover, a lot of us have come from a really, really different place than we are right now, which means some of us might have gone through extensive traumas, extensive addictions, extensive, um, honestly, maybe we were a person that we don't like, like we wouldn't have liked, you know, in, in various versions of ourselves. Right. And so when we're recovering, we slowly get more and more, our hope is more and more authentically who we are, who we are and who we want to continue to be for the rest of our lives. We start developing strategies and relationship skills and interpersonal skills and relationship with self skills that reflect who we really are. What's difficult is that many of us don't get to that point until we're like mid, maybe mid twenties with me and CA, it's been closer to our mid thirties. So we've lived a long time and we've done a lot of things and we've made a lot of choices. And what's hard is that that version of ourselves exists for a lot of people. And some of those versions have never been updated. Like when people talk about, Hey, I've gone through a software update. Like it's time for you to update your software in regards to me. It's like, we know that that version of ourselves exists out there in the world for certain people. Right. So the childhood version of ourselves, the teenage version of ourselves, the, you know, in my case, the mid 20 version of myself, whatever those versions of ourselves exist in other people's minds. What's difficult is when we're having a really, really hard time making peace that that person existed and that we are no longer that person or we have massively updated the mainframe. And for some people that might be unrecognizable. So what I mean by holding ourselves hostage, by the way, we just hit four minutes, guys. Celebrate. 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 A celebration of you and me. So we did it. We did it. I'm gonna cry, guys. It's it's 
I can't tell you how big of a deal that is. Uh, okay. So anyways. <laughs> wow. What a journey. Wow. <laughs> also, CA for about two hours, every single sentence was repeating and it's not happening anymore. That in and of itself is a miracle. All right. So um, I digress. When we talk about holding ourselves hostage, it means that we are going to continue to grow. This is a self-growth podcast. If you're doing your own self-work, if you're doing your own work individually, you're reading books, you're doing this podcast, you're doing therapy, you're doing coaching, whatever you're doing, you are on a journey of self-growth, which means you are going to continue to grow into a place that doesn't match who you used to be, right? That's hard because it's almost as though for some people that looms over us. It's almost as though that person that we used to be when we were early 20s is looming over us. And it's it's almost like playing us with this like gloom and like, oh my God, do you remember when you made that decision? Do you remember when you said that? Do you remember when you were manipulating that person and you thought you were this person, right? And to be fair, there is something to be said about reflecting in a way of like holding yourself accountable for the pain that might have been caused, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, Mm -hmm. you might have hurt yourself. You also may have hurt other people. Mm -hmm. And when I mean by holding yourself accountable, I don't mean like beating yourself down in a self-deprecating way. I just mean noticing that those behaviors had implications or may have continued to, in your current life, have implications. And what we are doing in this episode is basically trying to untangle, basically deconstruct what in that regard, like when we're reflecting, what is useful and what is meant to be kind of untangled and then unlearned and then reapplied in a way that can help our healing, not harm our healing. It can help our self-concept. It can help the way we look at who we are in the moment. Yeah. And I think an element that comes into play here actually kind of sometimes has to, it's directly related to our like self trust, because what happens is, you know, you're trying to live your life through this, this growth that you've gone through and and applying new strategies and healthier dynamics in your life. But then there's always that like nagging voice in the back of your head that goes like, yeah, but you used to do this. You used to treat people like that. You're still capable of being that person. What if you went back to being that person? What if you talked to people the way you used to? What if you judged people the way that you used to? What if you judged yourself the way you used to? You know, like you're you're sitting there like not fully allowing yourself to trust that the new updated software version of yourself is the one in charge. It's almost like this older version of you is like, no, we're still here watching every move you make and, you know, at any moment you could slip your hands off the wheel and I'm going to grab that wheel again and I'm going to go back to being the one in charge of driving this vehicle, you know? And so it's that I think is a very real experience for a lot of us. And like, maybe we've never even acknowledge this. And if you're listening and you're like, whoa, like (laughs) hearing this put into words for the first time that that is this strange, like subconscious, like conversation that's going on in the back of your mind at all times. And so the question becomes, how do we switch gears into really fully embodying and trusting that this new updated version of ourselves is the new default? That the older narratives we used to live by they they exist like they're real we're we're not going to pretend that they weren't a real part of our journey but we can trust that those versions of ourselves are not going to like randomly like rear their ugly head and suddenly all the progress and all the growth you've made is going to completely go away and it will have meant nothing and that's not to say you're never going to make a mistake It's not to say that whatsoever, but it has to do with this concept of who is authentically driving your like day-to-day 
life and your thought patterns and your choices and your interactions. We That interchange of activation comes in where we are doing a lot of work on ourselves and someone comes into our life or maybe it's someone you haven't seen in a while and they interact with you in the same way from, you know, previous software update you like you're like, oh, wait, so you can like, you know, they're interacting with you in a way that you would have maybe previously gone along with or you're realizing that their understanding of who you are is very like mismatched right now. Right. So and that can be very uncomfortable for us. Right. Because it's almost as though it's an opportunity to show up and clarify that, oh, oh yeah, um, no, that, that, I'm not actually doing that anymore. No, thanks. Like, I'm not really into that scene anymore. You have an opportunity to clarify and what can happen, especially in the early stages of healing is because that's not a muscle you flexed and because that's not something you were prepared for, what very well may happen is you allow them to walk away with the same conceptualization of self that you previously had and you didn't clarify and you and what happens in those moments is there's a lot of pain that typically comes out of that because you walk away and you're like wow that was an opportunity and I didn't clarify that I actually am a lot different than what they thought I was right so to be fair, a lot of this has to do, it has a lot of like clustering of all the work that we've been doing on the podcast. But if you think about, you know, what CA is talking about with self-trust, it also means like uh, self-compassion and like, you know, grace, giving yourself some grace and some room to grow, you know, because, you know, CA might think about the religious stuff. Like if you guys made it through the religious trauma series, you don't think it's happened where I've been in an environment where someone just assumed that I was like a radical, you know, uh, extremist that I used to be, you know, and it, and it can happen, you know? And so in early stages of, you know, healing, I might've not had the skill to be like, I don't know what to say to them. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to clarify myself yet. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know, show up in those situations. So you may choose to just like not engage. Okay. So I guess I just want to bring some validation. And if you don't engage, it might happen. It does not mean, and this is that holding yourself hostage. It does not mean that you are barreling back towards, you know, who you used to be. It doesn't mean that you are some like weak person that doesn't know how to stand up for your new self. It's just that you haven't flexed that muscle and you, you are trying to learn how to interact with people and clarify who you are in a way that feels, you know, like safe, right? That's another thing. You got to remember safety. Safety is huge. What I find really interesting is that I'm I'm going to keep, you know, fast forwarding the situation. And so then say you do eventually get to that place because we've touched on this in previous episodes and, you know, um, having those tough conversations with people in your life and kind of letting them know like, hey, this is the updates that I've gone through. So say you actually do get to that point and like now you're you're kind of in that next level of, you know, you're showing up authentically and the people around you that are still in your life are interacting with this newer, more authentic version of yourself. I have to say this here is that what I find incredibly interesting is that even when you've got into that stage of authenticity, you might still be struggling internally in your mind. And this is where the hostage part comes in. What is a struggle that Jamie and I have probably like internally experienced as well as spoken to a lot of people who are struggling with this concept is sometimes we get stuck on maybe like one or two events from our life or like a pocket of time in our life. Usually when it was like when we were at our worst or most toxic or most, you know, struggling time of our life and we get really stuck. Like the brain kind of does this weird like loop where it wants to like emotionally pull you back into that space. And 
basically you get scared that that version of yourself, like that, that worst version of yourself is the one that somehow or another trumps any other version of yourself that you ever were or will become that like, we're going to always be stuck down here at this lowest point. And it's, it's, it's not even so much of this. What if people find out about that worst thing I ever did, then my life is over. It's more like, I already know about that worst thing I ever did. And I judge myself for it. And I continue to hold shame and maybe even resentment to myself for making those choices. And so that is a version of holding yourself hostage. That's an experience of hostage holding that is very real and can be really tricky to overcome because it's when you boil it down, it's really based in shame. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I think what you're going to hear is you're going to hear people say this as fear from the external. Okay. So if you hear this in the, and, and you might, the people listening right now, like I, I think that's what's so funny is when I actually think about this concept in my own life, I, I feel as though that really was where a lot of my perception like rested, where I was like, I'm so scared that, you know, the toxic version of me, which does exist in certain people's mind, is going to resurface and people are going to be like, see, Jamie's such a hypocrite. She's so toxic and she she was mean and she was like ruthless and whatever. And that all it takes is someone just saying like Jamie, early 20 Jamie or whatever I was. And I I realized that that perception resting on the internal and like so many other things in self-work if you have so much fear that's coming from the external, like my strategy, CA's strategy of self-work, but this is what I also teach. And like, we both are amplifying this like concept is that whenever something is constantly like reverberating on the outside, a really good strategy is to ask yourself if that's an interchange that's occurring with the relationship you have with yourself. All right. So I'm going to say that again. Is this an interchange that's happening with the core relationship you have with yourself? All right. So what that looks like and CA did that really well in like a way to like help you guys get to the understanding of how this gets so deeply entrenched in us. All right. What that looks like is us having a real conversation with the relationship we have with our current self and the relationship we have with the past versions of ourselves. And when we look back at who we used to be or the decisions that we made or the things that we felt like we had to do or the things we didn't even know we had an active choice in, but we chose something, right? It's, it comes down to Are you in your current self in this current moment taking yourself out of context? Okay. So what that looks like is when I say it shows up in the external, that's what so many people are going to say is the problem. They're going to be like, okay, so I became successful and, you know, I'm a mom now and I have this job and I have this thing and I'm doing, you know, this thing with my life. And, you know, think about me and C's journey with like religious recovery. Like we could be called the biggest hypocrites because we were on our high horses evangelizing and proselytizing and doing all of these things. And now we're at the exact, (laughs) a very, very, very different part of our lives. And that can look like these big hypocritical moments, right? Except with the external, what's happening in that moment is someone who met me when they were, what, when I was 22, we were both 22. They're taking my mid 30 self and they're putting that self out of context. They're pulling all of the contextual things, all of the variables that got me to the point that I'm at, at 35 years old. And they are saying, no, 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 no. All of that stuff that you went through is irrelevant. 
all of the things that went on around the circumstances of your deconstruction or around your own self-growth and your healing, all of that stuff is irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is the self I met at 22, the version of you that I met at 22. Okay. Okay. So let's rewind. When you're doing that interchange within yourself, how is that not the same thing? How are, how, how is it not the same thing when I sit in front of my friend, like when I'm looking at you, CA, and I'm like, CA, I'm doing all these amazing things and I'm getting all this stuff done and I'm helping a lot of people and you knew me in my worst. So how do you not think I'm a hypocrite? And by the way, guys, like I'm not going to name names, but people in our lives do this to us. Like it's happened to me in this past year where I've had people throw me under the bus and they're like, why do you think you are so educated and so understanding this self-growth journey that you can do a podcast on it and that you can write a book on it and that you can teach other people on it. And, and it's like, I hear myself getting taken out of context and I do the same thing. And I look at CA and I get scared and I'm like, CA, what if I don't know anything? What if all of the stuff that I've done and all the work that I've done mean nothing because versions of me out there exist that made poor choices that didn't have any of this information. And what am I doing? I'm taking every single effort that I've done over the past years, 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 and I'm taking myself out of context and I'm saying, you don't get to have any type of growth. You don't get to, I'm holding your growth hostage now because a past version of you exists in somebody's mind. And honestly, it kind of sounds like it exists in your mind, Jamie. I'm talking to myself, right? Exist in your mind that you're saying that self is the one we're going to let hinder our growth. Yeah. And I mean, this is where, you know, you get the, 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 the kind of classic no better, do better mentality that can come through to help put this into a better perspective. Because the reality is you cannot hold past versions of yourself to a standard that you have for current you. And I believe me, I am super guilty of this. I mean, like there are parts of me that parts of my past where I just, it's so cringy that I, it's like viscerally painful. I'm like, I literally cannot believe that me, me, that I said that I was capable of that. Like, because you feel so removed from that version of yourself. You feel literally so completely different now as a human that you're like, that version is unrecognizable. Like if I met that person today, I'd be like, you're not me. But this is why this is, this is where it gets really tricky is that, you know, not to get like overly like spiritual or esoteric here, but like every step along the way was influential in how you became the version you are today. And I have to like, I was like saying that sentence really slowly to make sure that I wasn't, I don't want this to come off as like allowing you to just have no accountability as we were saying a minute ago. Like if, if behaviors that you had were harmful and caused pain to yourself or other people, like, yes, like you do want to acknowledge that pain and you do want to make amends to whatever degree you're capable of. But I also think that one of the best ways to carry on that sort of amends making process, if you will, is to not, is to do the opposite of what we're talking about in this episode. Don't let that version of you hold you hostage for the rest of your life and truly start embodying today and moving forward these newer versions of yourself. And and I have to pluralize that because who you are today, all the growth that you have been through 10 years from now, you're going to even be grown even more and changed in other ways. And so that version of yourself is going to have to have the skill to be able to continue to like adapt to new versions of yourself and learn how to release with love these old versions of yourself. And I say with love because that is how we eradicate the shame. 
as long as that shame has a grip on you, that version of yourself maintains the power to hold you hostage. It really is the shame that needs to be eradicated in order for you to authentically move forward and release that version of yourself. So I know I've talked here. Yeah. I step Mm -hmm. in here for a second. So here's what I think is really powerful that with that, I think sometimes people use shame because we talk about how shame and all of the quote unquote negative emotions can actually be like helpful in your own healing. I think some people use shame in a way to keep themselves from falling back into that old pattern. Does that make sense? So the reason why that shame has to stay there and that person has to hover over you is it's a foreboding. It's like a, or not a foreboding. It's a cautionary tale. It's a, it's a, I will keep that shame so prevalent because that is what keeps me from falling back into that past version of themselves or myself. Right. And so the reason why I wanted to step in there for a second is because if you think about how shame is being utilized if you're using that in a way to keep yourself accountable, it can absolutely turn into like a almost like fear-based recovery. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I'm recovering, but I'm doing it because I'm so scared that I'm going to get worse and not actively trying to get better, right? Like you're going to be getting better, but it's kind of like in those past episodes when CA goes, are you looking forward? Or are you scared? And you keep looking back. Like, And that's where we're talking about shame. Because does shame have a place in our recovery? Like, I'm sure I'm going to get flack on this, but like shame is there for a purpose. I don't think it's meant to continually keep you in a chokehold for the rest of your life, right? And so, for example, think about like any emotion. So if I'm grieving, I might look at you, CA, and be like, I have to be sad. I have to feel this pain. I have to feel this grief. I have to feel this like remorse. I have to process this. I have to understand it, right? And so people are like, don't be sad. They were so happy. They're so, you know, you don't be sad that they're gone. Just be happy they existed. And it's like, but I have to be. I have to feel this sadness. I have to understand this grief. I have to understand this pain, right? And to some degree though, this is where we can get stuck in this trap is that there's one that this is how I would envision any emotion because you guys know I talk in themes. Like I'm not even just talking about sadness or grief or whatever. But if you think about this on the on the other spectrum, happy, I always have to be happy, right? We came from a religious ideology. Everyone had to be happy. Come in, everybody. Everything's amazing at all times. Nothing's wrong. No problems that ever, nothing exists. That's a problem, right? Any emotion that is stuck any emotion that's stuck in almost like a forced, like I have to be this way. And if I'm not, then the entire thing, all the top, the entire tower will fall down into pieces. I have to be happy because if I'm not, then I am not being grateful enough to my, my blessings from God. I have to be sad because if I'm not, then that means that I'm not, I, I, I don't miss them. And they're, they, they didn't matter to me because they're gone now. Right. Versus I have to be ashamed because if I'm not, I will spiral back into that version of myself. And honestly, take a moment and realize how damaging all of those variables can be. I don't care if it's happiness, sadness, shame. If we are locking ourselves into an emotional state because we are so scared, What will happen if that's not hovering over us, then that is a fear-based recovery. It is a fear-based healing process, right? And it's like, how is that paradigm happening? And it's like, honestly, I hear it all the time. I hear people shaming themselves into recovery or forcing themselves into habits out of sheer like self-annihilation. And that's why you hear me talk about that theme so much. I go, stop self-deprecating yourself into getting better. Stop saying you're a piece of shit. Go to therapy. Say, I love you so much. You deserve to grow, (laughs) right? Like that is what we're talking about. So when we talk about this theme of like shame-based recovery, it's like, what does it look like to process the shame of being someone that doesn't match who you currently are? 
allow for the for the filtration process to occur that you're realizing I have to filter through that shame so I can understand accountability and then get to the point of accountability and say, I understand the decisions that I made. I understand that those were ill-informed or not fully formed or not in alignment with who I currently am. I'm holding myself accountable for the way that hurt my best friend or my partner or my mother or, or my sister. I am holding myself accountable and I am so anchored in the skill it takes to allow myself to not become that person that I don't need shame. I don't need shame to be involved because I have developed the skill it takes to not fall back. I actually have the emotional skills to keep myself anchored into not falling back into that narrative. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply sometimes like tempts us to stay in that place of shame is this lie. I'm just going to call it an outright lie that if you forgive past versions of yourself and release them with love, that somehow or another, that means that it was all okay. And then you're just justifying the behaviors that you did and saying, well, Oh, well, oh, Wellesley, <laughs> like too bad. So sad. That was just like some old version of me. And I shrugs. don't really, I don't have shrugs. I don't really care that shrugs. old me did those things. Yeah. And so if that's not resonating with you and you're like, well, no, like I don't feel that way. I feel terrible. Didn't do or whatever. Whereas if we move out of that shame space into a space of actual just like, I guess we could call it like a more aligned sense of guilt. Like guilt is a better word because that has to do with like a, an action itself. Like I feel guilty for saying that sentence or doing that action. And that we can't stay there either because that's literally just like information that the thing that you did doesn't match up with who you are as a person. So that's where that next step comes in of accountability. And you say, okay, how can I make this right? How can I make this right within my soul, within the relationships uh, that I interacted with that caused pain? And you move through those steps, right? Then you can look back at these past versions of yourself and hold that version with compassion and understanding of, okay, I understand why I, I always talk about like, my past self. I always talk about like her and she, right? Like, like, I understand why she did those things. Like when I, because I really do think about her as like a, this other person. I'm like, who oh is God, she, same. right? Who is she? So <laughs> who is I she? look back <laughs> on her and I go, okay, I know I actually, I have gotten through this uh, a lot of this bulk of like, this has been a big part of my personal journey is like working on this exact topic. I am in a completely different time with a completely different set of circumstances. Now I'm a different person. Certain values of mine have changed. My environment has changed. My family has grown. Like all these things are different now. So it's silly of me to try to like apply current me values upon old version of me. So this is how this looks, right? And so you look back and you go, okay, what are the things that she did that were like actually harmful to herself and to the people in her life? And are there things that can and should be done at this time to, to kind of work on that. Right. And I used the word amends earlier, which is like popular in a lot of recovery programs, but we can just say accountability or just like, you know, reconciliation type experiences that you might have. Like that's good. Like that's good work to do. If, if you, if this is resonating with you and you're like, wow, like I am not feeling right about the way I left a particular relationship. Like I made some choices and I spoke to that person in ways that are, I know, caused real harm. I know why past me 
did those things. And I, I understand why she thought that she had to say those things and, and treat that person the way that she did. But it is not sitting right with me to just like leave that start. Like I know Brene Brown talks about this. She says like one of the things, like the best ways to eradicate shame is to like put it in the light. Right. So, cause like these things, they like exist in the darkness and the shadows of ourselves. And like, we just always kind of shy away from it, shove it back in the closet and pretend it doesn't exist. And one of the best things we can do is to just bring it out into the light and say, wow, this was a thing that I did. This was a thing that I said. And it's quite awful. And I am so like frustrated with myself that I did it. Right. And if that involved another person, you might actually have an opportunity to approach that person and let them know that like, Hey, I'm bringing this back out into the light to, to kind of analyze. And I realized like I hurt you and I'm, I'm so sorry. And, you know, we've actually, I think we talked about that in the past before on another episode about like, what, what that's like on the other end. So I'm not going to fully, fully go into that, but you know, that person reserves the right to have all wide variety of various reactions, but it's not really about that, right? It's about you actually giving yourself an opportunity to like have a conversation with past you in a way that's super authentic and helps you move out of the shame space into a place of compassion And what this does, this like kind of process, it builds your self-trust in the- What you spoke to right there is during the healing stages, when we talk about moving past belief and going into applied belief, which is conviction, like right there is like what I think if people are like wanting the takeaways, okay, so I'm struggling with this. How do I actually start practicing this? What are the next steps for me to like actually- you know, work on it. Obviously following some of the processes that we just went through, like having the conversation with yourself, putting it in context, like all of that stuff that CA just went over and what we're ultimately trying to move beyond, right? Notice like it was using, the episode used to be called the stages in stuckness. It just was really long. So we changed it, but like, but this is what that stuck feeling, this is what we're talking about is that you can be like, no, I believe that I'm no longer like that person. Uh, But every time I have an opportunity to like show up and like be convicted that like, I know for a fact, like I've, I've shown enough pattern that I'm no longer going to make those decisions. That conviction is a movement in your healing. It's, it's actually creating a movement or momentum for your healing because what's happening in the brain is it's not just like, oh yeah, I kind of like, know, like I'm aware. I know, like, I understand that like, that's not the right decision and past version of me did that. And like, do I believe that I won't do that anymore? Yeah, sure. Totally. But it's that moment. We're not always going to be on our game like that. We're not. And CA spoke to that briefly in the beginning of the episode is that the moments that are going to be probably the most challenging for this practice is when you falter a little bit and variations of how you used to interact with people relationally or ways that, you know, certain challenges that you used to face or certain things that maybe, because we talked about this in the stages and stuckness of healing, maybe the healing path is really strong in one area of your life, like friendships, but it's not as strong in in partnerships or you're struggling with authenticity in your family, but you're not struggling with it in your friendship, right? So there are going to be moments where you're super, super convicted and then you're put in a different environment and you're finding yourself acting maybe even similar. Uh, like not maybe the exact same, but maybe a similar theme is coming out and you're noticing, oh shoot, like I'm I'm nervous. See, maybe I need to add shame here because I'm I feel like I'm falling back into that version of myself. I'm I'm acting, I'm acting really petty and I thought I was beyond this, or I'm acting a little manipulative here and I thought I was beyond this. And so if you find yourself in those moments, this is why I wanted to add this nuance. What's really important here is to add the compassion and the curiosity components of healing in this right here in this moment. All right. So what typically people will fall into, the trap they fall into is they become cruel and they become critical. All right. So I'm going to use all this, you know, all these C things. So we have 
being cruel to yourself and being critical of yourself. Okay. So cruelness and being critical. If I took the cruel and critical lens here. Okay. Now I'm adding fear. I'm adding shame. I'm saying, see, you're doing exactly like you did. We were, we were here three years ago. You just, you did that same kind of like retort to your friend. Did you hear that? Did you hear how similar you sounded? We've been working for years on that. How, how are we here again? You're, you're, you're walking backwards. You're doing the exact same thing, right? Versus if I was holding compassion and curiosity energy into that moment, what's going to happen is I'm going to become very aware of the circumstances that happened around that scenario. So what am I doing, guys? I'm holding the context, all of the C words. I'm putting the context back. I'm saying, what happened at that party? Why did you immediately fall back into that old narrative? What happened and how can I be aware of the parameters that happened that can educate you and allow you to grow and not step backwards, but move forward in that like faltering or like a little bit of that, like, you know, misstep or challenge that you just faced in that friendship dynamic or something. So now what's happening? You're not using that misstep as proof that you're going backwards. You are using that misstep as an accelerator to challenge your current self to step up and notice, okay, so you felt like that person was like, you know, you didn't feel very emotionally safe there. You probably went back into that default because you didn't know what else to do. Also, not necessarily the choice we would want to make in the future. So what do we need to work on? How do we need to navigate? How do we create more safety for you? How do we create expansive energy? How do I create choices instead of limitations? So maybe instead of like immediately, you know, going back into an old default, maybe trying to create space, getting out of that situation, stepping aside, going, you know, I, I it would have been easier if I gave you an example, but you guys get me. I have confidence that you can follow me. Where I'm leaving you guys with, because we're going to have to wrap up in a second, but what I want to leave you guys with is that the missteps are going to happen. There is going to be a moment where you're going to be scared that you're falling back into an old pattern, into an old um, version of yourself. And in those moments, that can be kind of a pivot forward or backwards. And it can be a moment of stuckness and it can be a moment of movement, right? And so that is why when we break these things down, it's so important for you to have those conversations with yourselves and be very mindful of what that conversation sounds like. Yeah, I think it's so easy for us to get stuck into that criticism mode. A lot of us talk about how we have this inner critic um, and, you know, that's that voice that was put there over time through our upbringing and interactions in the world from criticisms that we've received externally. I personally believe that, like, our true inner self isn't critical in that way of, like, oh, you suck. Did you see that? Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not what your authentic voice sounds like. Your inner voice is much more compassionate and loving, even when you do mess up. <laughs> they, they're not sitting there, like, yelling at you and shaming you. What I find so fascinating is how easy and quickly that inner critic pops up and will like confirm that you're still a bad person or you're going back to being a bad person or whatever. And how much more difficult it is for us to listen to our our inner cheerleader voice, right? Like how often do you actually take the time to like even if it's just in your mind, but like vocalize moments of growth and like wins that you have throughout your entire process of healing. I certainly, I'm calling myself out on this. Like I don't do this nearly as much as I probably should, but you better believe the second I have a misstep, the second I go back to an old trauma response or anything that I'm not proud of, I literally 
beat myself up about it and won't stop criticizing myself about it for days, sometimes weeks. But like, why aren't I giving myself more energy in the opposite end of the spectrum where like I did something like so great and I had and Jamie actually you have heard me I I do try to do this I I'm calling myself on saying I probably could do it more but like there actually have been moments and I've heard you do this too where like I do sometimes take a moment to go wow I like actually felt the effects of my growth when I had that interaction like I am positive old me would have not reacted that way and like I'm super proud of myself that I was able to handle that situation in that way. Like that really speaks to my growth. And I just want to say that out loud that I'm seeing it and I'm proud of myself. Um, I think I just want to leave you. That's what I want to leave you guys with, right? Is maybe spend a little bit more time building up that voice in inside of yourself too. Because what you'll notice is if you start to track patterns, and you're taking the time to like more often call out those moments of growth, you'll start to see that that's the pattern that you're moving in. So that even when you do have these missteps or difficult moments, maybe they won't hold so much weight in your mind anymore as evidence of lack of growth or evidence of backwards (laughs) momentum or whatever. Maybe it'll just feel a little bit less threatening. Because you will have tracked all of this forward momentum and that voice will be stronger in your mind saying, no, okay, yeah, that was not ideal, but we are moving forward and we are on the right trajectory. And as Jamie pointed out, you know, like what information can we actually get from that situation so that we can stay on this forward moving trajectory that we know that we are on? Well, what's, I love that because this is something I add my, ask my clients to do. And I use the word claim. Just think about that for a second. I use the word, can we claim this for a moment? Can we claim what you just encountered and the skill that you just applied? And can we claim the magnitude of that? Can we just claim it for a moment? Because it was hard and your brain showed up for yourself and you applied that skill that we've been practicing and and that's a big deal. So I usually prompt it as like, can can we hold space for it? Can we claim it? Because notice like my job, especially in like my therapy realm is like, my job isn't like, I'm going to claim it for you and say, good job, baby. Like you took a pepe. Like <laughs> shit's creek. Okay. Uh, like, <laughs> Like the business. No, like it's not my job to have you be like, oh, is Jamie proud of me? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. It's can we bring in the energy that you can claim that with or without someone with you, right? You can just do it. You can claim that moment, which is so, so important. And so honestly, what's tricky here? and I want you to hear this, is that even moments where you think you might be having a misstep, and this break, this, I just went through this, so I'm going to speak from a place of, you know, personal experience. There was an inner, I'm not going to go into all the details, but there was an interaction where I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm making a decision that aligns with myself. I'm not really sure how I feel about this. And I remember being in a state of like open processing. I wasn't like trying to label things. I was like, let me just openly process this. Let me just see, is this aligned with me? Is this not aligned with me? I don't know how I feel about this. Right. And I remember being so unsure, but a lot of people, and this is what you'll hear in a lot of self-growth circles, if you're unsure, that means you don't know. And that means you're just, you need to, you need to take that as a sign that it's not good. And I go, wait, hold on. Because processing in a both and mentality means that there might be elements to a decision that isn't necessarily aligning with your current self. And there might be other elements of that that do, which is why that feels so interesting for people is because there might be like something that you're trying to decide that you're like, you know what, this group of people, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. And There's like three factors that are floating around that I'm not sure how I feel about it, right? So instead of going all or nothing, the more difficult work there, guys, is to hold the both and and be like, 
where is the confusion and where is my value system? So when you do that work, you can start untangling like we talked about in the beginning. You can start untangling, oh, the reason why I'm so confused is because that those five factors in that decision actually really align with me. And I'm noticing that these ones over here don't. So now what are you doing? And this is the hardest part of self-work. You're becoming your own moderator. You're becoming your own navigator, which means with your own consent, you are now having to ask yourself, how high are my value systems over here? How high are my value systems over here? And when I make a decision with my own consent, Jamie, guess what? You might, you might, sometimes you might make a decision that aligns with you and then maybe you don't. But what is this an opportunity for? It's an opportunity for growth and deepening the connection you have with yourself, which is why that's so powerful. It's so powerful to hold space like that. So we have claiming and we have getting curious and we have holding compassion. All of these strategies right at the end here, folks, are really good tools to release that hostage, that to release that narrative of like, I just have to have that hostage in my life in order to make sure I don't crumble back into nothingness, right? Yep. And now we hope we've given you enough tools to kind of start the process at least. I think that's a good place to to call it guys um yeah this is a good one and uh we thank you so much for listening as always and it was a miracle it's a miracle we got this recorded <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll see you next time guys hopefully next time's not so dramatic <laughs> thank you so much y'all for tuning in if anything we said resonated please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts This absolutely helps us grow and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited. We are literally just shooting the breeze, having fun. You can see our full personalities and it is a blast. Honestly, it's pretty fun. So if you want to join us, you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned. And that's it. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become. And this is how we do the work.